I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. Today we speak to Chef Reino Cruz about food and its inspiration. genre bass guitarist, producer and singer from Los Angeles, California. This is Them Changes. I can't switch on my TV for seeing another cookery show. Is it true that chefs are the new rock stars? Well, you know, I think there has become a certain notoriety 
with uh, with chefs these days. Food's just gotten to a whole different level, and, and restaurants all over the place seem to just be uh, pushing the limits everywhere. And so, you know, television definitely has taken advantage of that. Whether or not you're watching some of the main networks or or some of the channels specifically designed for food, um, it just does seem that there is a certain celebrity factor when it comes to uh, the people that are actually able to, to put these pieces of magic on the plates. Is that what cooking is? Is it a case of putting magic on a plate? And if so, where does that magic exactly start? To me, food and music uh, are very similar in the fact that uh, they both present a certain nostalgia and they really kind of trigger memories as far as growing up and where we were and, and what it makes us think of. And so I think that, you know, when you get a chef that has life experiences, that they're able to translate into a cuisine, whether it be, you know, remembering travel or, or experiences growing up with their families or reminding them the areas that they've lived in, that sort of thing. And they're actually able to translate that to somebody that's enjoying their cuisine. I think that giving of that feeling to somebody else is something that is really hard to share in any other way. You as a chef looking at cuisines from around the world, which is the cuisine where maybe you take the most inspiration from where you are creating your dishes? Well, I am half Mexican, half Filipino, so I've always been a little familiar with uh, Asian-inspired ingredients and that sort of thing. And so when I had an opportunity to travel through Thailand and actually learn about their cuisine, uh, it really hit home. Um, being able to be at a farm where I was able to dig up the ginger and actually pick my own Thai basil and that sort of thing. Uh, it really gave me a connection to the ingredients, to the cuisine, the people that taught me how to make it, people that actually grew up and live in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And so when I think about the impact of those flavors and the versatility of what I was taught, you know, that's something that when I cook food back here in the States, I just really try to figure out how can we really push this as far as it can go. And you're from a very specific part of the States, California, which is really famed for its cuisine. For somebody who's not from the state or not even American, how will you describe that kind of Californian cuisine, modern Californian cuisine right at the moment? One of the things that I always notice when we're around here, um, and I didn't really actually notice it until I started being able to travel through different places, my experiences of cooking places like the Caribbean and different islands and that sort of thing, and and really kind of being put in situations where you had to deal with the ingredients that you had. It altered my perspective when I came back home and I realized that we really are a little spoiled here in California and that we pretty much have almost all ingredients available at all times to some respect. And so when we look at California cuisine, we're really looking at one of the largest variety of ingredients and with the amount of farms and purveyors that are around, you know, taking so much pride in their products, uh, we really have so much stuff to work with that we try to find the best ingredients possible and leave it simplistic so that we can actually enjoy the product but at the same time you know definitely put our own spins on it so obviously mexico is just south of california and you yourself said that you have mexican parentage describe mexican cuisine because being a brit we kind of see ourselves as having bits of cuisine from all over the world but maybe the one which um, is kind of slow, slightly lacking is actually that kind of Mexican cuisine. So how has Mexican cuisine um, impacted on Californian uh, food? And what exactly is quintessentially Mexican cuisine for you? Uh, when, I, when I really think about Mexican cuisine, um, again, 
I can think about the cookbooks that I've seen. I can think about the shows that specialize in it. But when I really think about Mexican cuisine, I think about my father, who was a descendant of Sonora, Mexico, uh, where growing up, we always just had a pot of refried beans on the stove, a stack of tortillas, and it was just about simplicity. You just walked in, you made a snack, and you did what you did. Now, when I look at it, and especially after having traveled through Mexico and whatnot, uh, it is a very simple cuisine, but it's a cuisine that has so many layers of flavor because of all the different components to make sure that it has enough squeezes of lime on it or enough sliced jalapeno for some heat. And to just kind of reconstitute dried chilies and, and try to bring everything that seems so simple at the surface and recreate those dishes that we grew up with. The influence of Mexican cuisine here in California is amazing and San Francisco definitely is a place that spotlights that. To be able to just walk down the street and grab some street tacos and just think that in a corn tortilla you can have some simple grilled meat and for some reason it can take you on a vacation if you just close your eyes and eat it. You kind of harken back a lot with your answers to nostalgia and kind of growing up. So at what point did you realize that you were destined for a life in food, a career in the kitchen? I pretty much realized that food was going to have a larger impact on my life once I, once I left my, my home, my, my family environment and, and was on my own. Uh, I don't think I ever really realized when I was neck deep in the situation of how much great food I was growing up amongst. It was when I would go off on my own and realize that now that I no longer had that around me, I still sought. I still was looking for uh, those cuisines and, you know, I would go down to the grocery store for a loaf of bread and I'd come back with some, you know, roasted red peppers and next thing you know, I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. and. Um, I was thinking back to when I first saw my uncle, who was uh, being featured on a cooking show out in Maui, in Hawaii, and he just always had this genuine smile on his face, and, and he never really looked like he was actually working. It kind of just looked like he was playing with food and found somebody to pay him to do it. So, you know, as I started getting more and more into food, the curiosity grew, and I just realized that it was just something that uh, I basically had no control over. Significant in terms of your music choice is you growing up, you being a teenager. You went to school with somebody who's pretty famous, pretty important, pretty influential in the story of American contemporary music. Who was that? Tupac Shakur uh, was uh, at Tamalpais High School um, shortly before uh, I would be going there. Somebody who basically was growing up around the same surroundings that we were, and then for him to you know, pretty much go against a lot of odds and do his own thing and live his own truth and to gain the level of success and notoriety that he got to, uh, never really conforming to what it is that people thought he should be doing. Um, I mean, that was inspirational in its own. And again, the nostalgia of it, the, the growing up, that period of my life where everything's so influential, to see somebody that um, is so willing to just kind of stand out on their own and be so true to themselves, uh, was definitely something that I try to bring with me on a day-to-day -day basis. Just a question, Chef. Why do we, when we're cutting an onion, shed so many tears? You, usually it's because you have a dull knife. No, if you have a really sharp knife and you cut through it, you know, you're, you're squeezing the gases out of it, and that's usually what'll get you. But, you know, sometimes you just shed a tear because when you're cutting the onion, you realize that there's something good on deck and you just can't wait to eat it. I fear no man but God, though I walk through the valley of death. 
accompanies you you know what are you listening to uh on a day-to-day basis in the kitchen uh it really is kind of funny because the genres kind of go throughout the day and depending where we are in that part of the day i mean whether or not we are you know just getting started with some prep work in the morning um and have some subtle hip-hop going again maybe a little tupac 
mm-hmm. maybe a little Kendrick Lamar, whatever. Uh, and then we start getting closer to a service or a push where we need to start moving a little quicker and, and maybe we pull out a little Metallica or some tool to kind of get the, uh, the heart racing a little bit. Uh-huh. And then we just push through and we do whatever we have to. And then when it's done, when all said and done, we're wiping the cutting boards down, uh, maybe a little bit of Bob Marley, maybe a little reggae, maybe a little slow it down and just kind of relax. Uh, and then once the day is done, maybe throw on a little hot chip or some sort of little feel-good music that'll just kind of bring us through the rest of our day. Raina, I know that you kind of worked for some very demanding clients, you know, rock stars kind of on tour. What do the likes of Linkin Park or Motley Crue et al. like to eat when they're on the road? You know, on a day-to-day basis, when you are are traveling and you're putting in those grueling hours, uh, there's a couple different aspects we always try to take a look at. Uh, One is a comfort factor. You know, nobody really wants to feel like they're, you know, pushing through that grind as much as they are. They just want to basically feel almost like they're at home. So we we definitely try to make sure that we're getting some comfort food and that we're keeping them feeling homely. Um, The other aspect is that we are pushing through with with pretty long days. And so we really try to put an emphasis on foods that are going to keep them energetic, hydrated, full of nourishing energy and that sort of thing. But again, uh, not having it literally taste very healthy, you know, you still want to make sure that you're keeping them happy and uh, giving them the comfort food. All right. So at Linkin Park, a Motley Crew, who had the more sophisticated palate? Because I'm guessing both of them are just, just burger and hot dog fans myself, but you're going to tell me otherwise. Linkin Park definitely uh, seemed a little bit more receptive uh, to us venturing off into different things. In fact, they really wanted us to kind of specialize in wherever we were and, and, and look into that cuisine and, and figure out where we were in this country of ours and, and specializing the ingredients that we had, whether or not it was some uh, coho salmon or if we were down south with some barbecue. Uh, they really wanted us to explore our options and uh, definitely appreciated what we were putting on their plates. Now, right, Chef, uh, it'd be remiss of me if I didn't um, basically level with you and say, I can't cook. Or, or more to the point, I don't spend much time in the kitchen. Right? If I've got to cook a meal for, let's say, four people and it's three courses, uh, tell me what I should cook. Like, like most people, I spent my whole life eating, so I know what I like when it, when it goes in my mouth. But in terms of the preparation yeah. of it, I need your help. All right. Well, you know, usually food for me, it just takes inspiration. It just takes, uh, it takes an idea and then it just takes basically nurturing that idea into something beautiful on a plate. And so my first step is to usually go down to... Uh, one of the nicer markets in the area, somewhere that I know is going to take pride in the ingredients that they have. You know, I'll make my way through the produce section, I'll make my way through the butchery section, maybe talk to some of the employees, talk to the butcher, see what they have. Okay, chef, 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 chef. These people are coming in two hours time. We we got, Uh, yeah, we got no time for I'm going to go to Safeway. You know, at best it's Trader Joe's. Go. Your best is Trader Joe's. So, if we got, you know, if we got two hours and we got guests coming in, and we just need to get something together. You know, I don't know why this is such a hard one, Royfield. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think sometimes uh, when, when we think about, you know, hosting people or whatnot, we try to complicate it. But again, it's just all about simplicity. Um, you know, I'd probably just uh, try to grab some really nice seafood, um, try to uh, gather my, my paella pan out of there mm-hmm. and uh, get that on the burner. 
and so you're, you're imagining that i have a paella pan yeah <laughs> I, I i i don't have such a thing but i tell you what i do have i have a toaster i have some bread and i have some beans in tomato sauce how about i serve up a great british delicacy which is baked beans on toast baked beans on toast is an amazing thing <laughs> you know i think comfort food no matter what it is to any extent uh makes people happy it's not you know? gonna get me any michelin stars anytime soon though is it well it depends how you present it okay how should i present my baked beans on toast you know uh presenting the baked beans and toast mm -hmm. you know we're talking about a nice white clean plate that's our open palate we're, we're taking that slice of bread we're putting it right in the middle we're draping the beans over there kind of a little bit rustically over the side of the bread and then kind of off center position with the tomato right there on top you know, maybe a little garnish with some parsley or some other kind of color around the rim of it. Uh, and, you know, just remembering that we do eat with our eyes first and hunger is always one of the best ingredients. Chef Reno, I know that you have started a new business venture. What exactly is it and what is the URL so people can have a look? Basically settled back into this place I call home, the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, and decided to uh, try to bring everything that I've experienced around the world back here. Uh, so I've started a personal chef private event business known as Sense, because to me, the whole philosophy of it just makes sense. And uh, for anybody interested, they can take a look at the uh, website, sensemade.net, and uh, it'll offer all the details and uh, talk about some of the inspirations behind Sense. Reino Cruz, thank you for coming on to Friday 15 and telling us that even if you are somewhat inept in the kitchen, you can still serve up baked beans on toast and make it appear cordon bleu. Absolutely. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Simple. Done it. Lights Out is a song by English hard rock band Royal Blood. Featured on the band's 2017 second album, How Did You Get So Dark, the song was released as the first single from the album and topped the UK rock and metal singles chart. Thank you.
You Need Me, I Don't Need You, or simply You Need Me, is a song by English singer and songwriter Ed Sheeran. Quite simply, it's fantastic. It's one man and his loop pedal. Break it down, thinking of making a new sound Playing a different show every night If I have a new crowd, that's you now Child seems to love is great now See me lose focus as I sing to you loud And I can't, no, I won't hush I say the words that make you blush I'm gonna sing this now Oh, wow, oh, oh See, I'm true, my songs are where my heart is I'm like glue, I stick to other artists I'm not you, now that'll be disastrous Let me sing and do my thing, I move to greener pastures See, I'm real, I do it all, it's all me I'm not Fate, don't ever call me lazy. I won't stay put, give me the chance to be free. Suffolk sadly seems to sort of suffocate. Hey, cause you need me, man, I don't need you. You need me, man, I don't need you. You need me, man, I don't need you at all. You need me, man, I don't need you. You need me, man, I don't need you. You need me, man, I don't need you. You need me, man, I don't need you at all. You need me, man. I sing all by my own tune and I write my own verse. Don't need another wordsmith to make my tune sell Call yourself a single writer, you're just bluffing Names on the credits and you didn't write nothing I sing fast, I know that all my shit's cool I will blast and I didn't go to Brit school I came fast with the way I act right I can't last if I'm smoking on a crack pipe And I won't be a product of my genre My mind will always be stronger than my songs are I never believe the bullshit that fake guys feed to you Always read the stories that you hear on Wikipedia I'm musically, I'm demonstrating When I perform loud feels like I am meditating Time's up the enterprise when some fella filmed me Young singer, writer like a Gabriella chill me yeah, yeah. Cause you need me, man, I don't need you You need me, man, I don't need you You need me, man, I don't need you at all You need me, man, I don't need you You need me, man, I don't need you need me, man, I don't need you Man, I don't need you at all. You need me, man. When all I want in this cupboard is to make music and use it, not to abuse it and get infected, infected with the who's who of music. You did it. Who is it? Who's in it? Who? What the hell does it matter? Chitter chatter, don't matter. What are you, do you, do you, Don't matter to me. All I want is a bit of dicky to hear me to, but I listen to you freely to be me in the CD needy world. Can you hear me? Hey, so I keep singing that one up the start of this rap and shut up the pressure from haters became invaded with sadists and just developed a hater radar. I'm able to start, kept my grind in the dark. Did I pay with the remedy, kicking rhymes, the melody, Hennessy shots and all these tools on the Block. Who said you got to be a gangster now to raise the top? Just a normal casual, usual, everyday type of guy. My head in the sky, a cheering urban angel coming ready to die. So see the signs, stand to the side, open your eyes and take a look and realize the resurrections arise. Turn as the mist clears, I arise from my tomb in the skies. All alone, alone, start of an angel rising from the ashes. Surprise, no, it's gotten a moving now. Steady, you can find me in the club, but I'll fill up up. Mommy, I got the exit, getting the taking drugs, and they're having sex, signing and making love. Come and give me a hug, been again rough. You can find me in the club, club, but I'll fill up, I believe, mommy. I got the exit, getting the taking drugs, and they're having sex, signing and making love. Come and give me a hug, then they get rough.
hope you enjoyed this week's show don't forget you can follow the show's progress on facebook by simply typing in friday 15 you can also find us on twitter where you can follow me where i'm at royfield spelled r-o-i-f-i-e-l-d now every thursday you can jump onto twitter and tweet me and nominate the song for me to put into this week's friday 15 iTunes reviews, folks, are extremely important. They're the lifeblood of any podcast. Please go onto iTunes and write us a, a glowing review. And don't forget, finally, you can email me. Well, I'm Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D, at gmail.com. See you all again in seven days' time for more good music and great conversation. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.